Sportsnet 960 The Fan. It's story time once again here with our weekly show. Every Monday we do this from 1 to 2. We try to get some of the best storytellers in the city and the game to come and uh, regale us with all sorts of different uh, sports stories or otherwise. And uh, today's guests are no exception. Uh, they are a tandem. They are joined at the hip typically, but they've been apart for a while uh, due to various uh, ailments, we'll put them, we'll, we'll call it. Uh, Rick Ball and Kelly Rudy. For, we'll start off with Rick Ball just in a few minutes here, and then after that, at uh, 1.30, we'll have Kelly Rudy join us. And uh, I'm hoping the two will be back together real soon in the broadcast booth, one of the best tandems in the National Hockey League. And uh, and and I know that Kelly's back. And our first guest here, you know him, you love him, the play-by-play voice of the Calgary Flames, Rick Ball. Rick, thanks for joining us. Eric, glad to be with you, buddy. How are you doing? I'm great, but the question is, how are you? Uh, obviously, it was what? I guess it wasn't this Saturday. It was the previous Saturday. Uh, Ron McLean told the nation that uh, you were you were on the sidelines. Pulmonary embolism. Scary words. I want to hear from you how a bird stealing your sandwich led to a pulmonary embolism. Go. Yeah, that damn magpie. Um, <laughs> I, I was I'm glad we can laugh about it. Yeah, I, it was pretty scary. Um, thankfully, I'm on the mend, but um, doctors figured it was a combination of a broken leg, and then we did some traveling. And two things that can lead to a blood clot are broken bones and traveling. Um, so put the two together. Um, and, you know, I wound up unconscious on my kitchen floor a couple of weeks ago. Thank God my wife was home to call 911. Um, or who knows? So per, per, pretty scary. I, um, you know, I, I can't tell you how much gratitude I have to whoever was looking out for me uh, that I'm able to talk to you today. So. And, and I'm feeling better, you know, getting, getting there slowly but surely. So that part's, you know, great. The part that led up to it, not so much. I, I played in a golf tournament in Kelowna in late July, and I was chasing a bird away. It was had gone to my golf cart. I've told the story before, but it had gone to my golf cart stealing a sandwich, so I'm running across the fairway not paying attention to anything but this damn bird. And I stepped in a sprinkler hole, and I broke my fibula. So, of course, being the idiot that I am, uh, I didn't go to the doctor right away. I played three more rounds of golf. My leg's killing me. And then I come back to Calgary, and uh, the I go finally go see the doctor. And uh, he's like, yeah, you broke your leg, you moron. Put this air cast on and come back in six weeks. So I had the air cast on. Everything seemed to be fine. I was, you know, no big deal. We went, took a long trip back out to Vancouver Island in the car, came back, cast came off, leg's doing okay, took a trip down to Arizona, uh, for eight days, had a great time down there, did a bunch of hiking, Grand Canyon, Sedona, you know, spent a week in Scottsdale. It was fantastic, felt fine, flew back to Calgary. And after that, a few days later, I started to feel really fatigued. Like, you know, I, listen, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not a, a lovely but I try to take care of myself. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm exhausted. Like climbing upstairs was hard. I thought, you know, you start wondering, is, do I have COVID? You know, who knows? Yeah. Right. Um, and then, one day I'm standing in the kitchen thinking to myself, um, you know, if it's like this tomorrow, I'm going to the doctor. And then next thing you know, I'm on the floor. Um, That's the and, last thing you remember? Just like you're, you're in the kitchen yeah. and next thing you know, you're in a girl, like you're going to the hospital? The last thing I remember is thinking, oh, shit, I am going to pass out because I started feeling really faint. And then the next thing I remember is my wife screaming, and that kind of woke me up. And then, the you know, 
God bless the people that work on our medical profession. The EMTs mm-hmm. came, took me to the hospital. Um, they wound up at the South Campus. It's not probably the furthest hospital from where I live, but it, you know they had that they they go wherever they have vacancies. So I went there, and they were fantastic. I, I can't tell you Eric, how much. It's the first time I ever spent any time personally in a hospital, my whole life. Other than I was born. Yeah. Yeah. Um, knock on wood. Um, hopefully it's the last, but the people there were first class that I can't say enough about how wonderful everybody is that works there. And I know in that entire profession, it's, they're doing the Lord's work for sure. So mm-hmm. spent a week there. They pumped me full of blood thinners. I was on strict bed rest for a few days. They don't want you moving around. Um, you know, and they found a blood clot in my leg where my, on the same side where I broke my leg. Um, and I told them what, a, you know, they asked about traveling and injuries. I said, yeah, I broke my leg and then I traveled. And they said, well, you know, there you go. And then obviously wow. they had gone to my, the clots had moved to my lungs. And, um, yeah, I'm that, you know, I don't want to get too, I don't talk too much about my medical issues, but that's what happened. And I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm really happy to be on the mend. So, you know, and all wow. the people that I work with you and, Kelly and Ryan and every, like it's just, the support has been overwhelming and really a, I can't tell if anybody's listening who sent me a note of encouragement and just checked in, um, you know, hundreds of texts and emails. It was really uplifting and, a, and I can't tell you how much that meant to me to be able to hear from everybody. So that was a, you know, it really emphasized how important it is to, touch base with people who are going through a problem like that. I, I do it when I know somebody who's sick and, um, you know, you might think you're bothering them. You're not. It was, it really meant a lot to hear from everybody. So oh, there that's you are. Uh, that's a long-winded story about what happened to me. Well, a lot of people are wondering, so I'm, I'm glad that I appreciate you talking about it. Uh, some people don't like to talk about that, but, uh, and you know, I, I I joke about it all starting with a bird stealing your sandwich, but that that is amazing how the doctors and you and everybody was able to connect these dots and say, well, that that's where it started. I mean, we were making fun of you. Uh, I was up at a you and I were up at a golf tournament up at Banff Springs, and you were you didn't play. You just hobbled around with with the cast on your leg. God bless yeah. you for still showing up and, and, and having <laughs> some fun anyway. But who knew it could lead to you know something far worse? So what an incredible journey are, are you feeling 100 percent right now or is that still a process getting there that way better than i would feel i'm feeling better than i was feeling before it all got critical too i was you know like i said i was so tired so i am on the men that's knock on wood i don't I, one thing i did learn through all this is never be presumptuous right you just have to take every day at a time all the stupid cliches you hear people talk about it, they're cliches for a reason because it's true so i don't ever want to assume anything but um you know I am feeling a lot better, so I appreciate you asking. By the way, that Banff tournament, don't make me look like a hero for coming. It was a couple of free nights at the Banff Springs Hotel. I'm going to turn that down even if I can't go. <laughs> You're no dummy. Absolutely. No, hey, yes, you, you are a hero still, but that, not because of that. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Are you, so you're you're still probably going undergoing all sorts of tests uh, every other day or so. I don't know right yeah, now. I, no, it, it, it's it's just stay on the blood thinners, and gradually you feel better. They told me the strength would start coming back, you know, fairly quickly, and it's true, it is. Um, um, but you know, going for more testing this week and and play it by ear, really, uh, you know, and and hopefully I can get back at it sooner than later. I 
Um, you know, travel's kind of restricted, at least for the next little bit. I plan to have a ton of road games coming up in November, so I'm, I'm unlikely I'm going to have a chance to do those just because I probably can't climb on a plane for another month or so. But, um, okay. you know, I'm going to try and get back doing home games as soon as I can, and then hopefully the travel will follow shortly afterwards. So, uh, like I said, I'm just thankful for every day, and fingers crossed that I can get back at it because I love what I do, and, you know, I do. I mean, I, I love calling Flames games. I love working, uh, doing hockey broadcasts. I love the people I work with. Uh, it's a, you know, it's not a job to me. I mean, it is. I want to get paid for it. Don't get me wrong, but it's something I really enjoy doing. And sitting around and having to watch the games on TV and not being there is tough, right? So, um, I can't wait to get back at it. But health is priorities number one through a thousand right now. So, um, until I feel like I'm 100% good to go, it's, I'm going to have to, just be satisfied with watching the games on a tube. Yeah. Well, listen, you know, you've been missed. Uh, I, you know, obviously you've, you've received a lot of feedback from people and there are a lot of people who think you're the very best in the business at what you do. So get better, my friend, and, uh, get back to the dome. And, uh, and, 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 you know, even if you'll probably be here before you're actually doing broadcast. So I look forward to seeing your smiling face. Let me just ask you this. Obviously, what happened to you is is terrifying, especially in the moment and and in the in the hours and days following it. How are you now? You know, a couple of weeks out of this, looking back, are are you are you shaking a little bit? Does this change you in any way? Yeah, it does. I, I, I like part of self analysis, but it me pretty good. I have to admit it, um, and it does it. You know, again, it's a cliche, but it does put things into perspective. You just don't know, right? Um, and, you know, all the things you hear people talk about, about, you know, really savor each day and, you know, hug your kids and love your family and, and stay in touch with your friends and all that stuff is just so true because, you know, like I said, I always felt myself a healthy person. I take care of myself. I've never had an issue health-wise in my entire life until this happened, um, you know, like a lightning bolt out of the blue. And uh, just sort of underscores all the things that we all know, I think, on a certain level. But when something like this happens, it really does bring it into focus, um, what the truly important things are in life. And, um, yeah, I've, I've thought about that every day since that happened. I mean, yeah. You know, doctors came in the hospital and said, you know, I'm really fortunate um, because when it gets to that point, sometimes it's, you know, the results aren't as, aren't good. Um, mm. So believe me, that's not lost on me. And, um, and you know, it, it just, it just really does bring to the fore what every day means um, that you wake up and stand up and, you know, are on the right side of the dirt. Um, it really is, you know, I've always appreciated it. Obviously we all do, but you get wrapped up sometimes in your own everyday problems and whatever, you know, all the stuff we bitch and moan about and I get it, but trying to let that stuff go more. I mean, it's only been a few weeks, but I've realized, you know, what really matters and, and and that's the important thing. And and you're hundred percent right. How can you not think about it? Right. When something like that happens. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just terrifying, and it, it was obviously concerning for everybody around here to hear about it, and especially when you know I didn't know, you know, I mean it's it's your private, this is your medical stuff, and when Ron 
you know, told the nation, use those terms, pulmonary embolism. I mean, those are scary. I had to look it up. I mean, I think we're all pretty familiar with what that's generally about, blood clots in the lungs and such. But it's just, it's not good. And uh, and I'm glad you're, you're doing better, my friend. Uh, he's Rick Ball. Thanks, I'm Eric Francis. It's the Eric Francis Show. We're just getting caught up with our favorite play-by-play guy here. And uh, I, I think as someone who knows you, sees you on the road, you're a guy who likes to have laughs and uh, enjoy the finer things in life. What does this do for your Camus intake? Because we all know <laughs> you wash your car with Camus, you fill your car with Camus, you fill your belly with Camus. Does this mean you can't drink for a little while? Well, I uh, I haven't been. They didn't say anything about not drinking, but I'm guessing while I'm on blood thinners, probably not a good idea. Uh, yeah. You know. The other issue that, you know, you drink enough of that stuff and the chances that you fall down and, you know, cut your head open on the corner of the countertop gets even, even more. So I don't want to do that. Um, you know, uh, full of, full of blood thinners. So yeah, my canvas intake has gone down dramatically. So I'll have some making wow. up to do once I get back on the road. So I expect okay. you to find me at least a bottle or two more out and about at some yes. point in the not too distant future. I look forward to that, my friend. I absolutely do. <laughs> Okay, uh, you're a fascinating guy. Uh, you know, Ryan Leslie's put a couple, uh, things out on, on Twitter about you. You're, you're a hell of a musician. You love jazz. Uh, t- tell us a little bit about that. Just, I, I, I'm fascinated by your passion for music and, uh, and how many instruments you play and, 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 and why you, you take so much joy in that. I loved music from a young age. I started playing the saxophone when I was a kid. I was a kid. That probably doesn't surprise anybody. But usually you're a band kid or you're a sports guy. I was both. I was a weird crossover. I played in all the bands and I played on all the sports teams growing up. So I I had a kind of a weird sort of dual life as a kid. I loved music. And for a long time I thought that might be a path I went down and and become a professional musician. Then I realized I always say to people, I'm just good enough. I'm just good enough an amateur musician to know when somebody's really good <laughs> and know that that's not me. So I got to the point where I was good enough to know I was never going to be good enough to be that. So um, I think it's kind of like playing sports, right? Like, yeah, I can play high school basketball or, you know, play high school football and, and be half decent, but those guys that make it to the pros, that's a whole different level that I'll never get to. So uh, I, I went down a different path. But I always loved music, and then I – I started sort of teaching myself how to play the piano because I wound up in a band with some buddies of mine in high school. And uh, there's not, you know, I played sax on some of the songs, but, you know, there's not a lot of songs that have saxophones in them, so you play, you have to play something else. So I, I learned keyboards about myself, and I synthesized those as way back in the 80s and uh, really loved it. And, and kind of, I haven't played my saxophone in years. I think the last time I played is when we moved to Calgary. I pulled it out and I had a warped over reed on it and blew in it for five minutes. My lips hurt for a month because <laughs> my embouchure is completely shot. Um, but I play my keyboards all the time. And that's mm-hmm. kind of my, what I love to do to relax. And yeah, I, I'm a big jazz guy. I, you know, I love, it's funny because Brian sent out that video. He told me, he, he, he tweeted it out, me playing we were in Minnesota last year, and there was a piano, and I might have had a couple of glasses and came at that time, and I'm listening, going, "Oh, geez, my, you know, my timing's off. I was a little wobbly." <laughs> um, but it's, of course, it's "Don't Stop Believing" by Journey, and I hate that song. I shouldn't say I hate it; it's just been overplayed. You know, I just played a bunch of Steely Dan before that. That's the stuff I like. When you put yeah. that out, no, you got to put out "Don't Stop Believing." Amazing. But, uh, yeah, it's funny. But I, I just love playing, man. I a little studio set up in my uh, house, one of my spare bedrooms, and. You know, I 
like I have a I have a dot, uh, my computer hooked up, and I bought a new keyboard this year, a brand new a Yamaha stage piano, and I just like love it. I you lay down all the parts, you can MIDI everything and play along with it. It's it's kind of relaxing, so it's nice to sort of sit and do and take your mind off things, and and uh, yeah, I love playing. Are are you a guy like me? Um, you know, and I was the same thing. I was a I was a band and athlete guy. I, I like I was in both worlds as well, and I was a drummer. And uh, first of all, what was the name of your band? I'm always fascinated by the name of your. It was called band. Strange Pursuit. Strange Pursuit. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Believe me, we're not on Spotify. Uh, no. So I'll, I'll yeah. search. Well, there was a band called Strange Advance in the '80s, and I think somehow they that wasn't my choice for name of the way. I just went along with it. So. Yeah. Well, that's a be- my my band was called Large Fries of Gravy, so you guys were a little more serious about it than uh, than we were, obviously. But uh, when I'm not at the rink, when I'm not on the road, or even when I am on the road and I have some free time, last thing in the world I'm doing is uh, is listening to you know sports podcasts, radio. I try to get away from it all, and I listen to podcasts that have nothing to do with sports. Is that is that part of where you go when you need to get away from sports is, is just yeah. music. Music. I love podcasts too. A lot, a lot of the sort of comedy podcasts I listen to take my mind off. You listen to it all day long, right? Like, um, and I love it. Don't get me wrong. I love hockey. Yeah. I listen. I watch games all the time. Doing play by play, it's the number one thing you have to do. People go, how do you remember all the numbers? You just watch the games, or you know, and eighty-five percent yeah. of them are kind of there just by paying attention. You know, even through osmosis, just kind of sink in, and then you just sort of brush up before you see a team that you haven't seen in a while. And but that's how you do it. It's just a matter of watching games primarily. So um, that's a huge part of my day every day. And yeah, when you when, when you're on, after you just call the game and you're just relaxing, sometimes just throw something else on just to get away from it. So listen to music for sure and and podcasts. I'm like you. I mean, to me, I was I grew up a huge fan of talk radio. Like this was another. Uh, sort of odd kid like i remember working when i was a teenager in, in an orchard in Kelowna, like everybody else you know picking apples and doing a bunch of other stuff and just having the radio turned on to the local news station just like for company just hearing some guy talk about issues i didn't even understand but i like <laughs> the idea of it you know um and to me pot, that's all podcasts are i mean it's 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 nothing new that's just it's just talk content right people sharing ideas is delivered a different way it comes over your phone and you can as opposed to over an antenna but it's the same. Uh, it's the same concept, and I still enjoy it, man. I love listening to people talk about things I don't understand and trying to learn a little bit. Um, yeah, it's a nice way to pass the time, and really makes traveling a lot easier, right? I mean, think back to when I started doing games back in the Western Hockey League in the mid '90s. We had none of this. You had to watch whatever whatever VHS tape one of the 17 year old defensemen brought on the bus. Yeah, stuck it on a movie. That's what. Yeah, you, know, you took 14 hour drive out to Prince Albert from Kelowna, and you got to watch. You know, whatever dumb movies on the video, and you know, we had. I had. A, remember, I got a disc man. I thought I was really on the vanguard of technology at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, I could listen to some <laughs> CDs at least. But um, it's so much easier now, where you can pop in your headphones and listen to a podcast, and and interesting people talk about interesting things. It really does help pass the time. 
Yeah. Well, you know what? Next time you're at the Dome, I, I look forward to exchanging. I always get a kick out of talking to people who listen to podcasts as much as I do. But, I, I, again, I don't listen to sports podcasts anymore. It's it, I, I shouldn't say anymore. Sometimes I do. But most of the time, I'm looking for stuff that have nothing to do with sports. I'm always interested to compare with people. You know, what do they listen to? The Daily, the New York Times podcast, or they, the Smartless. Uh, anyway, we'll, we'll go over that next time we're sitting at the Dome killing time during sure. practice. <laughs> Because I'm always yeah, fascinated. It's, 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 like, remember you used to, back in the day, and you're dating somebody new, and you make a mixtape, right? Try and <laughs> like, really impress them with these songs remind me of you. Now it's podcasts. Everybody's sharing their podcast playlists, right? So it's the same idea. Not that, I, you know, not that more romantically linked in any way, Eric, but it's funny. People do share them now instead of playlists, they're podcast lists. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, we're talking to Rick Paul. We just got a couple more minutes. He's doing fine. Uh, you're hoping to be back. Uh, is a target likely, you know, the start of December? Because the Flames are on the road for the latter half of November, pretty much. Yeah, I, it's really play it by ear, see how I'm feeling. So, you know, i got three games this week. I thought maybe, I don't know, we'll see. And then they're on the road, and then they've only got a couple of home games after that, and then they're back home a fair bit in December. So um, I don't want to speculate when I'm good to go, because, like I said, I, it's one day at a time, man. It's mm-hmm. true. So... But I'm hoping sooner than later, fingers crossed. And hopefully I don't have to wait too long before I can travel again, but I'll need clearance, obviously, to do that. So um, that's all up in the air for the time being. But I can't wait to get back at it because I really – and I said this earlier, and I mean it. I, I love what I do. Oh, like yeah. being in the booth, calling games with Kelly and working with Brian and you and, you know, and, and, and Greg Miller when he fills in and, whoever, you know, Cassie over the years. Like it really is a treat. I mean, it means a lot to me beyond – just a way to make a living. I really do like what I do on every level, and um, and I want to get back at it as soon as I can. So um, as soon as I feel like I'm ready to go, I'll be there for sure. Excellent, excellent. Uh, I, I, w- I can't let you go without getting at least some, because we haven't heard from you for a little while, uh, some preliminary thoughts on the Flames, their start, uh, the new guys. I mean, what, what sticks out? You, I, I know you've still been watching all the games. Yeah. Well, I think they played pretty well. I mean, that was disappointing to what happened, you know, against Edmonton on Saturday, but I thought for long stretches they looked pretty good. They looked, I think, solid pretty much the entire time. Game against Buffalo wasn't great, but the other, you know, they looked like a Daryl Sutter coach team. They're playing their system pretty well for the most part. Are they perfect? No, that top line, I think, needs to find some chemistry yet. I think they tinkered with the line combination to practice today. Um, you know, the fact that they're winning without those guys producing is, you know, you can look at it as an egg that they got to get going, which is true. But at the same time, they're still winning hockey games, which is encouraging because, you know, those guys are going to find their drive at some point. Right. So mm-hmm. um, they relied so much last year on Gaudreau, Kachuk and Lindholm to be able to win without that top unit producing at the same pace, I think, shows that there's depth in other areas that they didn't have last year. So, um, yeah, I mean, overall, it's been a Sorry, I think playing whatever it is, 10 of the first 11 or whatever on home ice is probably not great. And then the way this last week went, not having, what, two games in the course of the week probably isn't great either. It's odd because they got to get to get at home and get your game going. But sometimes, especially with a bunch of new faces, it's almost better off to get on the road trip, right? Um, they have to focus on those hockey. So, um, and yet they're still, you know, they're still off to a great start. So, um, is it perfect? No, but uh, I think as a Flames fan, you have to be pretty encouraged what we've seen so far. And, you know, I, I think it's only going to get better because once that that Lindholm line starts going, like I know they will, um, that's just going to add a whole other dimension that they haven't had so far, which is a top unit putting a lot of pucks in the net. 
and they're still winning in spite of that. So that's encouraging. It is. It is. And we're going to, uh, when we come back for the break, we'll talk about some of the line changes that the coach made today to address that. And uh, we'll be talking with your partner, Kelly Rudy, uh, who I know you're looking forward to uh, getting back in the booth with. So, hey, Absolutely. Thanks, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks for being so candid and open and uh, and uh, talking about uh, what you've been going through, because I know a lot of people have wondered. And uh, and I think they'll be happy to at least know that you're you're doing really well right now. So get back soon, my friend. We'll see you down at the Dome here. Hey, Eric, I, I appreciate it. Thanks for your kind words. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait to see all you guys again. Um, it really means a lot for all you, everybody who reached out to me. I can't tell you how much that meant. So thanks a lot. Awesome. Well, you're loved, my friend. Thank you. All right. I will talk to you soon. And, uh, we are going to take a break here on the Eric Francis show. We'll be back with Kelly Rudy in just a few minutes. The Eric Francis show is brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. The Alberta horse racing and breeding industry has a $312 million positive impact on the economy in Alberta annually. Visit thehorses.com 18 plus. Please play responsible. You're listening to Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Who I talk to, if his name comes up, they just love the guy and they figure, is he as good a guy as he seems like? The kind of guy I'd like to have a beer with? Well, yes, he is. And uh, in that vein, let's bring in his polar opposite. The guy who sits next to him in the broadcast, you don't want to have a beer with him. You don't want to hang out and play golf with him. His name is Kelly Rudy. Kelly, how are you? Oh, that's a beautiful intro, my friend. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, you know, you don't want to have a beer with uh, Rick. You want to have a glass of Camus, as you of mentioned. As you went through the whole uh, routine, how much he enjoys fine wine. So that was a great interview. That was very uh, emotional, stirring. Um, I had been in contact throughout this whole uh encounter with rick in fact uh on i don't mind sharing so because uh, rick was very open but on sunday october 16th i flew home from toronto that day and i wasn't feeling well myself uh, later that night and in fact uh, i went to bed at around uh, 10 or 10 30 which is highly unusual for me that just never happens and donna happened to be still downstairs and she came up and said, hey, Rick Ball just called you. And uh, I thought, oh, boy, I better get that. I better call him right back because that would be unusual for Rick to call me that late on a Sunday. So I mm-hmm. run downstairs and I call him, and he's at the uh, the hospital, as he mentioned, and he shared his story, what happened that afternoon. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, that week before, on the Monday before the start of the flame schedule, was on Thursday, October 13th, and the Monday night, Rick and his wife, Carol, and Don and I, we went out for a nice steak dinner, and uh, that Sunday night, after his episode at home, he shared with me that he hadn't even been feeling well that night. We went out for dinner, but he didn't know what was going on, as you heard him tell your listeners that he was going to go see a doctor the next day on that Monday after uh, Sunday not feeling very well. So it was very, very scary. Uh, Rick and I spoke uh, daily until he got out of the hospital. Then I thought, uh, don't be that idiot that calls all the time and maybe give him a bit of a break. But you can tell how uh, emotionally was and how much he appreciated everybody reaching out and sharing. And you can tell by his stories that this has affected him emotionally, and we love him. And looking uh, forward to him getting back. He and I, in fact, spoke earlier today about his schedule, which he shared with you. So. 
unfortunately for me, I'm going to be on the road uh, without him next week, but I'll have John Bartlett, who happens to be another great broadcaster and a guy that enjoys wine as well. Now, the good part of this story, Eric, is that I think John and I might share some wine that doesn't have the same sort of price tag that Rick's wine has. So, <laughs> He's an expensive uh, friend, isn't he? Uh, yeah. <laughs> right? I know you don't like wine, but on the road, and, and you know this, Eric, uh, I'm going to miss him because Rick and I, for the previous eight years prior to the pandemic, uh, every single night we were on the road uh, together, we would have uh, dinner the night before a Flames game. And so I, I will miss that. But uh, most importantly, and I've shared this with Rick, take your time uh, when you're healthy and ready to come back. We'll welcome you with open arms. But John Bartlett's going to do a great job. Harner Ryan uh, Singh, our great friend, does a wonderful job. And, uh, yeah, we're just uh, all thankful that uh, Rick is doing much better. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I I, I agree with you. I mean, he was he was somewhat emotional when we were just talking mm-hmm. there on the air. And I, I wanted to kind of give him the opportunity to tell people how he was doing because so many people uh, have been wondering where Rick Rick has been. And until Ron McLean kind of broke the silence on it, I don't think many people had a clue that he'd been go- undergone, you know, gone through this life-altering episode. Um, and I thought it was very interesting what he said, you know, the the calls, the texts, that all meant so much to him because I think a lot of us are mm-hmm. guilty of just saying, I don't want to bother him like you had just kind of joked about. But I mm-hmm. think when someone's going through something that emotional, um, I think if you're ever debating whether or not you should reach out, I think the lesson in all this is to reach out. And uh, and, and I think yeah. you know that and I know that because we've, we've seen yeah. this happen to people before. But uh, he reiterated it, how much that kind of helped him get through a very scary time. Yeah, 100%. And maybe you don't get a call back right away or a note no. back right away. but. They'll, they'll get it and they'll, you know, it, it really affects them. Like, I've had this conversation. Well, you know our good friend Jeff Marshall, right, Eric? Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah uh, Jeff went through something very similar. Now, he didn't pass out, but he, uh, he had knee surgery and then he and his wife Heather went on a road trip, I think, to the Oregon coast. So that's a hearty drive. And then not long after, he ended up having blood clots in his leg. Um, so I knew the severity of it and how it affects you. But Ron McLean, I I think Ron has shared, yeah, he has. So I'm not sharing something that people don't know. So his wife, Carrie, uh, had an episode just like Rick where she had passed out. And uh, fortunately, she's okay also. But it's uh, it can be somewhat life-changing. And uh, emotionally, it's very, very difficult to, to get beyond for a while. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine, especially for for the spouse too, right? To find someone yep. you love in yep. distress like that. So, anyway, uh, we I really appreciated Rick's candor, and and mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm so glad I could have you both on together because people love you guys as a tandem, and and we're lucky in this city to have a tandem as as likable as you guys, as professional as you guys, and and to me, and I'll basically put this on a tee for you, but. It seems to me that you are such a great tandem because you are such great friends, and it's a very folksy, yeah. casual relationship. Do you think that's kind of the key to the chemistry you, you guys have? 100%. And it goes back further, uh, Eric. So back in 2004, when the season was lost and there was a lockout, and you know about morning radio. You know how difficult it is. You did it for years and years, what time you have to get up and you have to do your research and so on. So I was invited to research, uh, do a week of morning radio with Rick Ball. I, I didn't know Rick prior to this. And so mm-hmm. for a, a week, 
uh, I did morning radio with uh, Rick. He'd pick me up at my hotel at 4 a.m., um, and we'd do radio from, I think, 6 to 10, uh, something like that. And I got to know him that week. And uh, like I said, I didn't know him, and I came home, and I told Don, I said, man, I met this guy. He's just amazing. We really hit it off. Um, and I, I said, I don't, I don't know if we'll ever really work together again, but uh, it seemed like to me a guy that I was going to have a lifelong uh, friendship with. And then kind of like the world went a little bit different for me in 2012, and uh, I was taken off the, the main studio show at CBC, and <clears throat> for two years I was just doing color for the Western games, the late games on Hockey Night in Canada, and Rick was my broadcast partner, and so that's where we became play-by-play and color analysts together, and then we became great, great friends, uh, and then it really changed when Rogers Sportsnet uh, got this package, and then the job was offered to both of us to do Flames, and it was, it was like seamless. Uh, you know, we had that connection from 2004, but also we had two years working together on CBC, and, you know, he is... He is the consummate pro, and it's so easy to sit in that chair. And I know that, uh, you know, I had some help last week when uh, Peter Lubardius and uh, Greg Millen helped me out when I was sick. But he he is just so uh, well-informed. And, and you heard him tell you about his process, about how you have to watch tons of games, and it's through osmosis kind of where you, you remember names and numbers and if they shoot right or left and all those things. He's seamless in that, and yet he has this uh, personality that you just can't help but love because he talks about, uh, you know, uh, he loves, uh, you know, 70s and 80s sitcoms and all those things, and it's <laughs> just very relatable. And so, you know, and he, you know, as all Flames fans know from watching the broadcast, he's a very likable guy, but he's, a, he's even more likable. For all those years, I sat beside him on the Flames Charter, and uh, we'd have a glass of wine, and and uh, we may chat for the entire two hours on the chat, or uh, within five minutes, he would get on to and watch or listen to a podcast, which you guys shared your stories about the podcast, and Rick loves them, and sometimes he'd shut me out, and I'd have to go on my Netflix. <laughs> all these great things that, man, we just have such a, a really great relationship, and uh, I'm so looking forward to the day that we're uh, sitting beside each other again and and uh, doing what we love. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, all Flames viewers are looking forward to that too. So thanks for uh, shedding a little light on on your partner, and uh, we're so glad to have talked to him today. Uh, okay, we're talking to Kelly Rudy. It's the Eric Francis Show. We do this every Monday. It's all about storytelling. We've heard some some emotional ones today already. Um, I, before we get into any of that, though, uh, Kelly, I want to ask you about. Uh, I thought about you on the on the weekend. I didn't, you know, because I was here at the dome. I didn't see yeah. what you may have said about it on the air. But that second goal that Jacob Markstrom led, and I guess that was you guys had already done your second intermission. But the goal where it got rimmed around, Markstrom tried yeah. to cut it off. It got to, it, unfortunately it went to the best player on the planet, who's going to bury mm-hmm. that more often than other guys are. Tell me about. That goal, as a goalie, I was fascinated to find out. I don't blame him on that, although I guess when you look at it in the big picture, you're like, well, that can't happen. So you tell me, because the coach said after the game, we want him to go and try and track that puck as hard as it is to do. Uh, tell, just take me through that, the mindset of, of that, of, of a okay. goalie on that. Well, I understand that that's, uh, what they want the goalie to do, 
my I personally, you know, maybe times has changed, but I personally would not have chased that puck. It was uh, rimmed around too hard. Uh, I didn't think he had enough time. Uh, it's a that's a fifty fifty play in my estimation that you are going to get behind the net and stop it because it was rimmed around so hard. I understand the the mindset. You're you're really trying to help your defenseman, and it does help them a ton. But at the same time, if you don't make the play on it, that's what happens. Now, what I discuss further, and somebody listening to this may have a different point of view or could correct me because uh, I have to tell you, frankly, since uh, the, the end of the broadcast, I haven't watched the goal again. I will later today to get ready for tomorrow's broadcast. But uh, what I thought happened, and I talked about this post game with uh, Kevin, Elliott, and Ron, it appeared to me by the body of Markstrom and the position he put himself in, when McDavid had the puck and was ready to shoot, it appeared to me that Markstrom had made the read and the puck was coming basically into his midsection. I brought up the point that I thought perhaps it may have hit the stick of Tanev because it went up and over Markstrom, which seemed unusual to me based on the body position of Markstrom. Now, uh, when we were in studio, just so you know, we don't have... We do have the benefit of lots of monitors and people helping us, but when I just bring it up spur of the moment like that, mm-hmm. uh, and our monitors are fairly small in the sense that it's hard to watch on the first take. You'd have to watch it a few times to see if, in fact, it did hit Tanev and maybe ever so slightly. Maybe somebody that's at home and has an 80-inch screen and could watch it back uh, many times would say, Kelly, no, he just uh, misread it, and uh, McDavid beat him <clears throat> on that, but you know, to me, that's where I, I go. Like I, I've always thought that if you're going to go behind the net, it's got to be more than a 50-50 chance that you're going to stop it. Now, okay. it looks to me like other teams or other players, other coaches and goalie coaches, that mindset has changed. But uh, I wouldn't take the risk. Okay. All right. Now, I also, it was my opinion after the game side that. It was it, the easy narrative would have been to pin this on Markstrom once again and say that the Oilers are in his head and and he's the reason they lost because that goal was a, a debatable one. Um, yeah. I don't. The other two goals were were not his fault at all. Um, yeah. One's off a skate, another's off a, uh, his own defenseman's stick. Um, is it possible that the Oilers really are in his head? And I ask you, as a former goalie, can you relate? to that is it possible that this is just he they are his kryptonite uh, i can't speak to uh, what he's thinking about that team but i can tell you just in general terms yes teams can get in your head and there are teams that uh, for whatever reason <clears throat> uh, you have a harder time playing against i was always horrible against the boston bruins like not bad i was horrible um <laughs> and and even just in my head just playing them for whatever reason because i had years of not playing well against them. It was kind of like a fear going into those games. I'm not telling you or Flames fans that's how Markstrom thinks but yeah. uh, against the Oilers, but the the the, uh, the record against them uh, since, uh, I mean, that, that lousy uh, playoff experience he had uh, may be weighing on him. I mean, I, I saw, I talked to Eric uh, Fre- or uh, Elliot Friedman about it on the weekend because Elliot went on that European trip and did a whole bunch of pressers with a bunch of guys, including Markstrom. And Markstrom did admit to Elliot that it bothered him. Uh, I don't want to put words in uh, Markstrom's uh, uh, head, but I think he said something like bothered him the entire summer. So, which makes sense. But also, 
as a goaltender, you want to get back and you want to play those guys to prove that, uh, that this team doesn't have your number and that you can get beyond it. And, and in particular, when it's a team in your own division, you have to force yourself to play against those teams and play well, which, by the way, as you mentioned, he did play really well on Saturday. I thought the stepping stone to playing well was uh, the game against Pittsburgh where uh, he was – exceptional and including the second period where the flames were badly outplayed and i thought man this is really good for him because he had been on record i think from the saturday saturday before that he knew his game was off just a little bit you could tell in the building the fans knew it uh maybe fans were a tiny bit anxious about the way he had started the season but i'm happy to say it looks like he's definitely trending in the right direction yeah yeah i would agree with that uh some line changes today down at the dome Daryl Sutter, and I, I reminded Daryl this, the, the first thing he said to me when it was his first interview when he came back after this summer of tremendous change, and he said, the first thing i got to find out is if Jonathan Huberdeau is a Cadre guy or a Lindholm guy. He's gone with Lindholm the first seven games. They have zero even-strength goals. On the power play, they've been fine. They've been great, actually. But today, he decided to switch up the lines for what it's worth. I mean, we always read way too much into this, and Daryl always chastises us for it. But Huberdeau was playing with Kadri today and Mangiapane. Second line was Lucic, Lindholm, and Toffoli. So the fact that Lucic was on the second line tells me even more that this is not something we're going to see for very long, if at all, in game action. But your thoughts on the possibility of Huberto playing some time in games with Kadri? Oh, I think it was inevitable. Um, and in particular, the way they've started. I saw your tweet today, and uh, I saw Derek Wills tweet out the lines this morning. Uh, I had some stuff to do, so I didn't go to practice. But uh, it was inevitable. And... Uh, kind of ironically on Saturday in our first uh, intermission of the late game, I talked about that. I, I, I had no intention of going down that road, but I was talking about Michael Backlund and how well he had played and uh, uh, talked about Kadri and that line and with Manjapani and Dubé and why that was so important because I said something to the effect that because uh, Lindholm just has not found his game this year. That's clear, I think, mm-hmm. for anybody that's watched the games or been at the Dome and we know that uh, he just doesn't look his usual self. Elliot asked me on the desk something like, well, how long do you give him? And I uh, said something like, well, for a guy like Lindholm, you know, he's got a long runway. Would another month or two? Or, I mean, all Flames fans know from watching Lindholm for his, from his previous work here as a Flame, he has been nothing short of brilliant. He's been just an amazing uh, two-way player. And so you have to give him a little bit of time to, to find his game. Interestingly enough, Eric, and you know my love for my first NHL coach, Al Arbor, and one of the things uh, Al shared with me many years ago on our satellite radio show uh, hosted by Jeff Merrick was that uh, at the start of every year, he would would take three months to evaluate every single player where they were mentally from the previous year. And, And that included the four consecutive years they had won a Stanley Cup and the fifth where they went to the Cup but lost to Edmonton. That was quite a revelation for Al to share with me, knowing what a coach has to go through and how you evaluate a player and know where they are mentally and what what uh, you know, every year is a little bit different, right? You you know, you never try and duplicate the year you had before because that's an impossible task. Every brand new year is different, and you have to find yourself uh, 
and that's what Lindholm is trying to do. So to break those two guys up, I think it's uh, yeah much needed. Yeah, yeah, and, and talking to Pat Steinberg and Derek Wills just off the air before this, they, I think that there are a lot of people who think that those line. If he does start tomorrow night's game against Seattle uh, with those guys, uh, it won't last mm-hmm. long. Like it might last three shifts, it might last, you know, one period. Um, it'll be interesting though. It's not working uh, to this point. I don't think anyone's panicking, and that's the good news, I guess, for Flames fans is that they've got a five and two record, um, despite the yeah. fact their top line has been invisible. Uh, to be blunt, uh, you know, five. Well, five. the good thing is also, you know, they have a five and two record, and I don't think anybody would say that uh, they played amazingly well. They played really yeah. well at times. But they, they haven't put together a full 60. Uh, and that's not something to be overly alarmed at, especially when you have a, a winning record like they do. Um, but you know that uh, they'll have to be better on this upcoming road trip, which starts next week. They have some pretty tough uh, teams, and I think uh, you might see a, maybe a sharper focus by the guys. And uh, so th- sometimes starting off the season with as many home games as they had, I, I think sometimes... I don't know if stale is the right word, but you know, I think you you need to be challenged a little bit more, and certainly going on the road can do that. Yeah, and well, we saw last year how that season opening road trip, you know, kickstarted their whole season, and uh, I sure I, did. Mackenzie Weger was talking today about how it would be kind of nice to be on the road real soon. Here, no one wants to, mm-hmm. uh, you no one's going to say anything bad about having to play eight home games in a row together. I mean, that's where you'd rather play, but uh, I, I do think they would uh, benefit from having their uh, their schedules mixed up a little bit here. So we'll see. Uh, listen, Kelly, yeah. I appreciate your time. Thank you, my friend. I'm glad you're going to have your partner back soon in, in due time, and uh, we all look forward to that chemistry being recreated uh, on the air. So thanks for your time today, thanks, my buddy. man. We'll see you back at the door yeah, real thanks. soon. And I wouldn't have expected any other intro than the one you gave me where basically called me out and said I'm a fool and nobody likes me and nobody wants to have a beer with me. And so you're right on point, my friend, and I'll talk to you soon. Exactly. Beat it, dirtbag. Okay. That was Kelly Rudy. <laughs> uh, love Kelly Rudy. Uh, a friend just sent a photo, and Kelly saw it too on a text, um, of the day we met at a Cowboys, Cowboys the bar, golf tournament uh in the mid 90s boy have fashions and our bodies changed since then oh my god uh, i'll have to put that on twitter at some point soon uh okay rick ball kelly rudy what a pleasure to hear from both of them uh today uh we'll be back at it again next monday the eric francis show grows every monday from one till two we focus on stories we try not to uh get bogged down on the power play and these sort of things that uh that uh, I, I'm not really thrilled about talking about. I like hearing stories from people. And I just want to thank everybody, too, uh, who, t- who took part in the pig out, uh, the 20th annual pizza pig out last week, um, and also the charity hot stove. Uh, between the two events, and the numbers are still coming in, but between the two events, we raised over $100,000 for Kidsport Calgary. So I'm forever indebted to the people in this city who've supported these things over the years and helped us raise over a million dollars for local charities uh, at a silly pizza party. So thank you, everybody, for coming and being so generous with your time and your money and for supporting uh, my beloved kids' sport and all the wonderful things that they do in this city. And uh, the Pig Out will return next year. And we're also going to do another charity hot stove real soon. The, those people who were lucky enough to be there at our sold-out event on Wednesday, 
uh, it was Daryl Sutter, it was Brian Burke, and it was Brad Tree Living. And uh, I dare say uh, Daryl Sutter absolutely stole the show. I think everybody was shocked with uh, how engaged and how uh, how many great stories he told. Uh, he was just uh, he was fantastic. So um, I have designs on another charity hot stove very very uh, hopefully very soon, and I will uh, let you know those plans when those come out. And uh, there were almost 200 people there, and they just had an absolute blast. All right, this has been the Eric Francis Show. It's brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. The Alberta horse racing and breeding industry has an $83 million positive economic impact in Calgary annually. Visit thehorses.com, 18 plus. Please play responsible. Have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you again next week.